So if a demon, an eternally condemned being, believes in God and trembles before God, what should be left for us? The madness must stop if a person wants to truly have the salvation that God has to offer. There must be a product as a result of a person's faith in Christ. And that product can certainly not be arrogance, entitlement, pride, or least of all, disrespect towards God. If there is one truth we must always remember is that God owes us nothing as Gentiles. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today's message is about how much we owe God. We have an incredible debt with God. Whether we want to accept it or not, God created and made each of us. Our daily living depends fully on Him, on His person. And even though we sin willfully against Him, voluntarily becoming His enemies, chose to love the world and gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, so we could have the opportunity for salvation and eternal life with an eternal purpose. There is nothing or no one else that has done anything even remotely close to what God has done for each of us. Today's message is inspired on Ephesians chapter 2. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, hallowed and glorified be your name. Your kingdom come, Lord God. Your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Heavenly Father, I praise you. I exalt you, O Lord. May your name be magnified above all things. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for your love and grace and for your mercy. We owe you so much, Lord God. We owe you all things. We owe you our existence, our daily living, Lord God, and also the eternal life that you have granted us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, Holy God, please forgive my sins. Please have mercy on us, O Lord. Help us, O Lord, to be able to open our eyes clearly, Lord God, and wider, Lord God, to understand how much we owe you, all the different things that you have done for us. Heavenly Father, help us to have humble hearts before you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Today's key passage is in Ephesians chapter 2. This is the word of the Lord. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, 
have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. To start, we need to answer the question, who is the Gentile? The Gentile are all of us that are not from the pure physical lineage of Abraham. This includes all of the descendants of Abraham that intermarried with people that were not of the pure physical lineage of Abraham also. Those that disobeyed the Lord and that intermingled themselves with other people. So for those that claim some sort of Hebrew heritage are not claiming anything worthwhile. They're only bringing to remembrance that their ancestry fell away from God's commandment and sinned. And so the Gentile is the pagan, the corrupt, the unclean, those of us that had no part in Israel, nor in the promises made to Israel. We were outcasts without any kind of hope for salvation or redemption. And so the first thing we should see with this is that there is no room for arrogance, none whatsoever. There can never be any sense of superiority in anything, especially before the eyes of God. Yet many so-called Christians have become arrogant, looking down on other people, despising even the Hebrew, the children of Israel, the true chosen people of God. Or at the very least, they treat the Hebrew with dismissal and or indifference. It is important, especially if we want to have the right heart set, if you will, before the Lord to remember who we were and where we came from. And the intent through the Holy Spirit is to bring consciousness so that we know how to approach God and how to treat the people of God, the true Israel, the faithful descendants of Abraham. Our truth, our past, is that we belong to the darkness by birth. Despite the common belief that many people have, we are not born children of God. That is false. We are God's creation, but we are a fallen creation. Thanks to Adam and Eve, and then to the election that came upon Abram, later called Abraham. We the Gentile were born in sin and belonged to none other than the devil. That is our truth. And to make matters worse, because we all sinned willfully against God, we confirm that status even more. We all sinned out of our own free will, so we not only belong by fallen birth to the devil, but also through service, because when a person sins willfully, whether they want to accept it or not, they are serving the devil. That was our past. It sounds awful, but it's the truth. According to the passage we just read, we were dead in our trespasses, in our sins. So if we were dead, it was impossible for us to have belonged to God because God is the God of living we walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who works in the sons of disobedience. The prince of this world is the devil. 
That's who we belong to and who we served. We were children of wrath. Now, why bring this awful truth to remembrance? Why bring this to the forefront? Because we always need to remember what God ultimately did for us. We need to be clear about it so that we can come correctly before the Lord. This whole concept that many so-called believers have that puts God in a servant position is beyond foolish and wrong. And that, my friends, is a path that leads straight to hell. This wake-up call, if you will, is actually a service to those with the wrong notion, with the wrong mindset. Because even though a person says they believe in Christ, if their heart is not correctly set before the Lord, no matter what faith they profess to have, they still remain in their fallen position before the Lord. Why? Because if the Lord is not treated as the Lord, if He is not revered and submitted to appropriately, there is no salvation still. So things are not as simple as just saying, I believe in Jesus and that's it. This is what the Word of God says about unfounded belief. In James chapter 2, it says, But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, foolish man, that faith without works is dead? And so demons believe and they even tremble before God. But that will never free them from their fallen position. So if a demon, an eternally condemned being, believes in God and trembles before God, what should be left for us? The madness must stop if a person wants to truly have the salvation that God has to offer. There must be a product as a result of a person's faith in Christ. And that product can certainly not be arrogance, entitlement, pride, or least of all, disrespect towards God. If there is one truth we must always remember is that God owes us nothing as Gentiles. He had no obligation to us. Our destiny was hell and eternal damnation because of our birth into darkness and because of our willful decision to serve sin, to serve the devil. Whether we knew it or not, we served the devil. We were his slaves. So we were completely foreign to everything that is God and belongs to God. God owes us nothing. So why do many people act like God owed them something? Why do so many so-called believers treat him like his existence is to serve their purposes, their will and desire? The bottom line is that we were his enemies. So how can God owe his enemies anything? It's impossible. It is foolishness to think such a thing and of course to act in such a way. We need to understand for our own good, the gravity of our position, what it was and what it still is for many if they don't come to a true faith in Christ, to the realization of what God ultimately did for us. We cannot take such a great salvation for granted, such an incredible opportunity like something that has little to no value. That is how many so-called believers treat salvation. They treat it like it is not enough. They hear Christ died for you. And it's as if it doesn't matter because they're not getting what they want because supposedly God is not meeting their needs and or least of all, fulfilling their desires. There is like a discontent with God, an incredible sense of ungratefulness. Many people, when told that Christ died for them, the only begotten Son of God, they have this attitude like, so what? And even though God is great in mercy and slow to anger, that doesn't mean that justice will not be served someday. 
We always need to remember that God is love, but he is also all righteousness. He is a holy God, and he will not neglect his holiness over his love. God is not going to be like many think that he is going to just forgive everyone everything because he is so loving. This is what his word says in Ezekiel chapter 21. Son of man, prophesy and say, thus says the Lord. Say, a sword, a sword is sharpened and also polished. Sharpened to make a dreadful slaughter, polished to flash like lightning. Should we then make mirth? It despises the scepter of my son as it does all wood. And he has given it to be polished that it may be handled. This sword is sharpened and it is polished to be given into the hand of the slayer. So you see, God does not take lightly that the scepter of his son is treated like wood, like a common thing. We cannot treat the Lord with disrespect. We cannot treat the Lord's authority as a common thing. The Lordship of Jesus Christ must be acknowledged exactly as it must be acknowledged before God if a person wants to find salvation. This is fundamental to fulfilling the will of God the Father. For God the Father witnessed from heaven what we ought to do as we read when the Lord was transfigured in Matthew chapter 17, it says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make your three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. God's will must be done on earth. God is God and there is none higher than him. And if we don't listen to the Lord Jesus Christ, if we don't do as we are told to do, if we don't show the proper reverence before him, there is simply no salvation. It is the will of the Father that he and his Son not only be revered, feared, and held on high, but loved above all things and everyone. He must have first place, as it is also written. The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. So you see, things are not as simple as many preach and teach things. It is not just about saying that I believe in God and or Jesus Christ. It can certainly not be about taking him for granted. There is a great depth to the things of God and to what he has done for us and acknowledging them as they need to be acknowledged ultimately for our own good. So what has God done for us through the Lord Jesus Christ? He created and made us, each and every one of us. And despite our sinfulness, he chose to love us, to love all mankind, even the Gentile, the pagan, the unclean, that which was lost. For it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him 
might be saved. And it also says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you come to think about it, when you truly start to understand who we were and what God did for us, it is quite incredible what he did. How can someone so great and perfect come to think about us and to offer voluntarily his only begotten son to die for us on the cross so that we, his enemies, could be saved? His love is truly great and hardly understandable. And if we are honest, we would more than likely not do what he did for us. Who would surrender their only son to be killed by his enemies to save his enemies? People that have done nothing but offend you and do to you wrong all of their life. I would say no one would. But God did that for us. And he did it because he was the only way we could be saved. God had to die for mankind so that we could find life through the shedding of his blood. That was the price of our salvation. This is what God did for us. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes... We are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, and he was put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. There is nothing like the love that God has shown us all. And we owe him truly a great deal. Is knowing our true past humbling? It should be. We have absolutely nothing to be proud of. God has done nothing but shown us love, grace and mercy, especially to us, the Gentile, the pagan. Just by the mere fact of understanding who God is 
the greatest being in all of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, that is more than enough to have the utmost humblest disposition before him. He made us and everything around us. But on top of that, being his enemies, he chose freely to love us and to give his only begotten son on the cross so he could die for us and give us the opportunity to be saved, to have eternal life. If we add that up, there is just no way to reconcile just how much we owe God and how humble we should be before him, especially if we have made the decision to take on Jesus Christ as Lord. This message has two main focuses. The first is that this is for the person that has yet to come to Christ. If you are listening and you have yet to make a decision for the Lord Jesus Christ, I urge you to weigh what God has done for you. Your existence depends on God and the opportunity for eternal life rests on God also, on what he has done for you unmeritedly, gracefully, as a gift out of his own free will. I would urge you to repent and convert, turn from all of your sins because following and doing the devil's bidding needs to be abandoned. That's why repentance and conversion is a requirement for salvation because a decision must be made to renounce sin, to leave behind the devil and his ways. There must be a complete turning to and surrender to God. You must make a decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life because it's not just about being saved, about receiving a service, but rather about belonging to Him. You must give your life over to Him so that you can effectively belong to Him, so you can start doing what He tells you to do for your own good, for salvation, for eternal life and eternal reward. And secondly, this message is for those of us that have chosen to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to always remember and have at the forefront what we were and just how much we owe God. Because if we lose focus of that, we will surely stray off into a place where we risk losing the very thing we desire. We are safe in God's hands. He never lets go. But we need to remember that we have a love relationship with God, which means that we always have free will. God will never let go from his end, but we can stray away if we lose focus, if we don't stay the course, if we stop doing God's will. For it is written, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. The will of the Father must always be done in our lives, and that is subject to our choice. But if a person strays away and continues down that dark path, there will come a point where they pass from grace to judgment. For it is also written, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fire indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose Will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. This isn't a game. We cannot take God lightly, especially everything he has done for us. We need to take God and everything that belongs to him very seriously because God will judge us. 
So don't forget about what God has done for you. Assume the debt and live accordingly. Live with a humble and grateful heart before the Lord always. There is no room for arrogance, pride, and least of all, taking God for granted. We owe God everything. Act accordingly. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy Lord, I give you thanks for everything that you have done for us. I give you thanks for making us and creating us, O Lord. I give you thanks, O Lord, because you give us life each and every day. If we live, if we breathe, if our heart beats, if we think, all of these different things that happen in us and around us without our say-so, Lord God, it is because you allow it to happen. And Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for your Son, Jesus Christ, for what you did through him on the cross for us, for giving us the opportunity of salvation, something we could never deserve, something we could have never had on our own. Thank you, O Lord, because you truly had mercy on us and because you showed us a love that no one else can. Heavenly Father, help us to value the things that you've done for us and help us, O Lord, to live accordingly. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.